This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupans Markets. Zupans, where you can subscribe at zupans.com to the news with a Z feed. So you sign up there, you get exclusive offers and deals. I always love it. I always am looking down at my phone as I walk into the store, what's free today? Right. And so this week, free can of tuna with a Zupans tuna. Mm-hmm. with a $20 purchase that's from January 10th to 12th. Next week, they'll have something new. That's for you to find out. Just go su- subscribe, and you'll find out what, what the free thing is every week. You don't need us to tell you, but we're happy to. Yeah, our encouragement is to make that part of your New Year's resolutions. And speaking of which, maybe you've decided to be a healthier eater in 2020. Always, every year. Yeah. Uh, they've got grapefruit, kale salad, collagen. My my wife, Randy. Co- collagen. Collagen, that's right. That's the way I should be. <laughs> pronouncing it because that's the proper way my wife we always buy the collagen she buys i've never done zoo that pants. she mixes in with that? her she mixes it in with her coffee you don't taste it and it apparently makes you healthier uh, in what way i don't know also they have a winemaker dinner featuring father and son winemaking team don and jesse lang that's not jessica lang hmm. that's jesse lang right of the willamette valley's lang winery so you join Chef John Eisenhart, which we is an awesome chef, yeah. who we just jo- enjoyed a dinner with him back at Stone Soup, mm-hmm. um, but he'll prepare small plates to pair with the wines on January 24th, 6.30, in the Burnside Cellar Z, which is a really cool space. It's, it's not big. Right. It's a nice small space to enjoy a dinner and wine. Tickets are, are available at zupans.com. So there we go. There's the website, Chris. The three locations, West Burnside, as you just pointed out, Lake Oswego, and McAdam. All right, here it is. Time once again, Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures. And Court Johnson from kink.fm. And as I always say, many other places, you're all over the place. Dance recitals. Sure. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm going into competition week, or obviously competition season. It's going to be nuts for the next three months. How, how are the girls doing? They're, well, they're, they're, uh, they're in prep mode right now. They're looking good. We'll find out at the end of the month how how it's actually going to look. Good. Well, good luck to them. Thank you, and, and good luck to my uh, my bank account, because those competitions are cheap. <laughs> yeah, well, it'll be worth it in the long sure, run. Sure, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm, and you meet lots of fun people. Oh, yeah. No, the best people. So, uh, I wanted to acknowledge, I think we're on our fourth new music, new intro music, since we started this sure. podcast in 2014. Yeah. We've been all over, you know, we've had a few different things. We're in year seven. Mm-hmm. So we thought new music was in order. Sure, um, for the new year, new music, new year. Yeah, so we like the uh, we like the uh, the music that we chose, and we hope everyone out there does too. In addition to liking the podcast, yeah. Um, I can't believe. I mean, we've talked about this before, but man, if you. So I was thinking today, are we going to be here in 2030? Yeah, you mentioned that to me via text the <laughs> other day, and I'm like, I can't even think about 2021. Yeah, no, I, I was talking about retirement with my girlfriend last night. She's worried about when she's 90, and I said, I, 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 uh, Right, I'm worried about next year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, But at any rate, um, it's good to be here with you. For so I, If you would have told us back in 2014 we would be doing this in 2020, right? I don't know if I would have believed you, and especially weekly. A lot of people release podcasts, and they put one out once in a while. Sure. So, uh, weekly, and we're up to episode number two, well, 30, 40 something. Something like that. What is this one? I think it's going to be uh, 237. Right. But if you do the math, we should have had more, but we did. The, we weren't counting some of them as full episodes. Right. We were doing the sound bites that we used to do, and we would we do repeats now. So, there's 20, 20% repeats. Right. And we think those are good. You should all, you should hear. There's so many. Back into the archives. Oh, They're yeah. only a benefit. And we're also going to start with. Um, this year, launching podcasts from the Right at the Fork network, yes. so to speak, and uh, we're pleased. We did last year. We had on Women's Women's Month. Mm-hmm. We had Joy Church as one of our interviewers, yeah. and she was great. So she's going to be starting this month. Uh, I believe the last Monday of the month, you're going to hear her podcast, The Joy of Drinking. And uh, before that, the week before, we're going to interview Joy because she's she had an interesting food and drink 
background in Portland, and yeah. we want to talk to her about that too. She's she's certainly a worthy subject to discuss what's gone on with her. We first met her at the Portland. I first met her when she was at the Portland Kitchen. And That's right. She's consulting with lots of businesses um, on how to grow their brands. So um, it'll be a month of joy. It'll be a month of joy, and she does a bit of drinking along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I've enjoyed a cocktail or two with her along the way, and uh, it'll be good to hear her um, getting to the bottom of our cocktail scene and our cannabis scene, too. Which Bro, I'm, nice. Which I'm excited about. That's yeah. really more my thing. Yeah. Um, so that's something to look forward to at the end of the month. At the end of the month and then in subsequent months. Sure. That's gonna, so that's 2020. But right now, the matter at hand is um, is Dave Dahl. Part who, two. Part two. Mm-hmm. Um, we are so, it was, it was really cool to have Dave in the studio for a couple of hours. And he, he told us ahead of time, he'll talk about anything. Yeah, open book. Open book. So part one was last week, uh, or the previous one. If you're listening to this now, the previous one is with Dave. You can listen. You don't have to listen to them. What if, any, they're, what if they're listening to part two first and then go to part one? That's what I'm saying. But right. I think they don't be listen, crazy. They, I, th- <laughs> I think there's no particular order. If you hear, you'll, listen you'll to be this all right. One, you go back yeah. to the second one. In this one, we're going to talk a little bit about Dave's thoughts of what's going on in Portland right now, homelessness, right. crime, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. No one. I thought he was a good person to discuss this with since he's been in jail for many years yeah and he's had drug problems and he's had crime problems sure so um and he's dealt with them all Mm -hmm. so who better to uh discuss possible uh avenues towards a better portland than with dave Dahl? and of course we talk a little bit also about um some is it in food with recipes and and marketing is it called plagiarism what is it called just Sure. Copying, Copying, straight up copying, copycatting. Yeah. And so, uh, but he's out of the bread business, so he worries less about that sure. now. But I think it's, I don't know. He he brings up a, a something very specific that if you've been to the grocery store and you look at some different brands. You or, can see or, it. That you, then you're just like, oh, this is obvious. Well, yeah, so. I went to, I had seen it before and I was always confused. Oh, yeah. So I was no, like, he, these guys. He, he confirms what we've all suspected. Right. And then you go, and now that you've heard him talk about it, go and look at the packaging in the store. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're not making any accusations, but nope. I don't think it's very far off. No. And, and the way that it happened, as he describes it, it was a little infiltration. And, right. you know, we talk about hacking. Mm-hmm. Someone hacked. The uh, kitchen. Yeah, so, it's, a long, uh, it's a long game. Somebody yeah, played the long game. Somebody played the, played the long game. Yep. So this is the long game as far as <laughs> as this intro goes. Sure. Um, but indulge us, please, because we're happy to be here. We're really happy to have you here. You know, something we don't say a lot, mm-hmm. and and the, we get the we get the, the um, correlating results, but we should say more often. Please go in and like. The po- or oh, yeah. rate the podcast, make a comment, positive comment, subscribe if you, if you're on different platforms, right? And that way we'll grow it sure. a little more. We need to we need a little jolt, a little growth jolt for year seven. Yeah, we're happy that we've remained very steady over the last few years in a world where there are a ton of podcasts yeah. to listen to. Basically, what Chris is saying is, if you want us to get to twenty thirty, you got to like and subscribe. I think I'd be happy with two thousand twenty two. Twenty two at All this right. point in time. And that's. That's a good goal. Yeah, that's good. But thank you for listening and enjoy this podcast with Dave Dahl, now of Discover African Art. Um, But you'll know him best from Dave's Killer Bread. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets, inspiring you with the best in food and wine. Local and family-owned Zupan's Markets provides one of the most unique grocery shopping experiences in the city. With three locations to serve you, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Visit Zupans.com and sign up for the email list to receive exclusive deals and promotions. By Ringside Hospitality Group, owned by the Peterson family for nearly 75 years. Ringside Steakhouse has long been a Portland landmark. Famous for its steaks, world-renowned onion rings, and unsurpassed service, and now with extended happy hours, where you can enjoy a wide array of dishes on the bar menu for half off. Visit ringsidesteakhouse.com and make a reservation today. And by Portland Food Adventures. 
Join Right at the Fork host Chris Angeles for once-in-a-lifetime luxury food and wine vacations with his Portland chef and artisan friends in 2020. Lauded Spanish restaurant Urdaneta's Javier Quinteras takes you to a magical Spanish Basque country for 10 days in April. Or explore beautiful and rustic Western Sicily with Taste of Italy's Astri Enzyme in October. Contact Chris Angeles through PortlandFoodAdventures.com. I wanted to ask you, since you have, um, you know, you've been on the inside, you are pretty aware of, uh, personally. I've been homeless. Is that yeah, what you're going to ask yeah, me? Well, yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about that. So, uh, but, you know, and, and surviving by stealing, <laughs> um, sur- feeding a habit by stealing, you've been there. And of course, you know, you're aware you live in the city of Portland. We got it. We have a huge problem. Do you have any... Do you have any? Are you working with the city, or have you thought of have you thought of some solutions to this problem now from organically? Yeah, um, I think it. I think it's going to hurt. I think it's going to. It's not going to be easy. But it, it, you know, if I was in, if I was having influence on the leaders of the of the city, I certainly wouldn't be making it. Looking for ways to make it easier for it to be homeless. I was homeless in. Detroit, Michigan, not a good place to be homeless. In the winter? In the winter. Oh, geez. And I, what I would do is stay, I would find, at least there they had abandoned houses. You know, there was a lot of abandoned houses in this bad part of town that I was in because it was the only place I could go and, and fit in. I would, you know, I didn't I didn't necessarily fit in, but I, I would. How many people lived in when you were in the abandoned houses? How many people were? In the abandoned house? Yeah, were you by yourself? I was by myself. Oh, okay. And uh, I would wake up in the morning, and as soon as I woke up and moved, the cockroaches would scatter off of me. It was like hundreds of cockroaches. Uh, It was... It was bizarre. It was scary, and but I was like, I got used to just living, you know, that way. And but I didn't really get used to it. I never was comfortable. I was like, this is not cool. And I would always go to work. Back then, I would always try to get a job every day, one of those temp jobs, and and make. I made about twenty five bucks a day. Is what it was in those days. It was three fifty an hour. By the time I you know took took the shit out, it was like twenty five bucks. And that's what I lived on from day to day, if I was able to get to work that day. So, um, but that wasn't enough to to pay for a place to live even. So I, I lived hard. And eventually what I did is I turned myself in because I had a warrant. The reason I was in Detroit was that I had a warrant in Portland for burglary. So... I'm like, well, if I turn myself in, they'll extradite me back, which they did. And, um, but that's because it sucked to be homeless. I think, you know, I have a feeling that these days people almost don't mind being homeless. Um, I could have survived a long time the way things are now. I'm not a hardliner. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm looking for, for, uh, compassion, compassionate answers. Here, but I think compassion includes tough love, especially right now. Mm-hmm. Um, don't make it easy, and you know I don't. So what does that mean? I mean, I mean, I have ideas, but how would you not make it easy? Um, well, you know, when they yeah, round them up, move them, you know, make them make them uncomfortable. You know, make it make life a little bit harder for them. But whatever it's going to take, you know. What are you cops doing? You know, get down there, and, you know, stop eating donuts for a minute and go eat, uh, go help, go take care of these people. You know, you don't have to treat them bad. You don't have to hurt them or anything, but make them uncomfortable. And eventually they'll find, start finding solutions for themselves. You know, I found my solution in life, my solutions. I was homeless. I was went to prison several times. Um, I changed my life, but you know what? I would never change it if it was easy to be that way. So, um, so what about treating the drug problem? There's treating the homeless problem. There's treating the drug problem. Are they? Do you have? Can you do one without the other? Do you need both? Well, I think a person needs to come to a bottom 
whether they're homeless or drug addicted, and usually they go together. So that's the only way is to get them to the bottom because, you know, like it's like telling a teenager, don't do this. They're going to do it anyway. Yeah. So make it hard for them. That's what I say. Just make it not, not easy to do. Um, and people will eventually change. They will, it may, may not happen overnight. You're not going to solve the problem overnight, but it's not, it, what do they call it? It's, uh, you know, coddling people is it doesn't solve and problems. Enabling them, yeah. I think. You know, I saw, uh, and I'm not following it as much as I should, perhaps, but, you know, they put those big boulders up yeah. in certain spots. They have them right by my place. So, that's a, the, if you're going to lift tons of boulders to keep them out, then I would think that um, there's better ways. A, co- yeah. a cop can lift lift themselves over to say, hey, you can't be here yeah. or do something. Start, right. start in, in an area, you know. Move it and then keep it that way. It's like whack a mole, though, isn't it? They're going to move somewhere else, right? But uh, I think that eventually it all will. You know, it, it, you're going to get uncomfortable. That's what I'm saying. You don't make them comfortable anywhere. And uh, I'm just probably a homeless person listening to this right now. Going, man, what a fucking asshole! I used to like that guy. I don't really care. Well, you asked <laughs> you asked early on. Uh, whether we know who's listening, I don't. I don't have any read on how many homeless people are listening. To the <laughs> I don't know, this might not be that many. <laughs> I'm guessing. They're, I guess they have cell phones, right? A lot yeah. of homeless people they oh, gotta yeah. have because because it's too easy. It's too easy to be homeless. Right now, here's another problem though that I got to be honest about. I mean, this is really important that we have to address. Housing is a, is a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but. There are housing solutions always getting, it's always getting better. You know, Central City Concern. Uh, I actually have property out in Milwaukee that might be, uh, we might put 120 units there. I wouldn't be the developer. I'd be the property owner and supplier. But, um, these, these things are opening. And what you do is you make yourself a, a you might be homeless for the next two weeks or a month or two months, but you better be ready when your opportunity comes, you know, to start changing your life. That's on you. That's, that's on. That's, I guess it goes down to whether they have motivation to do it or if it's too easy to live like yeah. that without paying rent. You don't need, you don't need income I would, to do that. But And doing drugs. See, I got to remember when I was that way, I put a needle in my arm full of meth. And the drugs were probably a lot different back then. I have no idea. But I loved it, right? So that was, that was instantly cool. If I had a place to go, you know, when I, was a, when I was a good drug dealer, I always had a place. But when I was, my hustle wasn't working that good, then I didn't have a place to go. Um, but if I didn't have to worry about that aspect, that opens me up to do a lot more crime. Right. If you have a tent that is pretty easy to... And no yeah. one's going to make you move it. No. So I, I, I get, uh, aside from that, but it's part of that problem, all the uh, development going on now. And, I mean, everything's getting more expensive. I yeah. always, it's I'm always commenting. It's a bigger city. <laughs> right, but where are these people working to afford all these 700,000 million three I don't run well, into them in my you. daily course of life. A lot of people who are making three, four hundred thousand dollars a year—that many. I mean, yeah. I know some. I certainly know quite a few. But who is go- not only they're coming from somewhere else a lot of times, right? They're coming from San Francisco. Mm-hmm. They're coming down from Seattle. Or they're running from their from their own um, cities that have been taken over even worse by the homeless, uh, and so. You know, the, obviously they're making places that are, uh, you know, they're building, the, the, there's a lot of money in building the, the high rises that provide the great, you know, condos that cost a lot of money. But there's there's some good organizations making, um, you know, making these cheaper places. Well, but to me, the, the math on that is the higher end the real estate goes, it pushes out the middle. Yeah. So and then you're seeing more middle on the bottom, and it, right, you know, are, hard to get into. But there's actual homeless, there's actual organizations that are creating homeless, uh, not shelters, but good places to live. I I think they're 
sometimes I think, and, I, and I'm dealing with the, I talk to these people, and I, what I sometimes disagree with is the amount of, of accountability that's expected. I'm like, you got to hold that person's, you know, foot to the fire or whatever to make sure that they are towing the line. You don't want to bring your building down with people that are just going to create a bad neighborhood. Uh, but these people are, are doing it. And are there enough though? I mean, never, I don't hear, I don't hear that brought up as this is happening. So don't worry Mm. that it will all change. It's not that cut and dry. Right. It's happening a little bit here. I, uh, there's this organization called bridge housing. They're a multi-billion dollar, uh, I didn't know about them, but all of a sudden I do because they want to build in my property. Um, and I visited a couple of their places they have here. They're like four or five stories, generally. So there's one that's 12 units in the south waterfront uh, that they just built. And they're all for people that basically have nothing. Um, and... You know, we're talking hundreds and hundreds of units. So, and, and you can get in there and there's like government grants and things like that that help these people. Uh, but they have to know and they have to take action yeah. to get there. So mm-hmm. no one's walking around with a well, clipboard and saying, here, do you want to sign up for, the, there's a great house down the, you know, or great housing situation. Well, you're making a dent though. So you're making a big dent because there's, because once the right, Maybe you, you don't want to tell somebody you don't like, but once the right people know, they're right. going to spread it around. Um, the problems are getting solved, and it's like it doesn't work with socialism. It works with capitalism, you know, because um, as capitalists, we compete, you know, for for stuff. And I believe that you know, what I've seen, their model is very competitive and um, keeps the government out of it as much as possible. Although the government gives you, you know, uh, does provide uh, assistance. Mm-hmm. Well, the, get to the band. Not to get into a big political thing, but they provide assistance to everybody, including, you know, Amazon. So, yeah. um, well, there's that too. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, we could get into that. But, I, I'm not good. I, I hate politics. I uh, I just look at it as like, you know, this is something that we can take advantage of. It's And some of this other stuff, if I think about it, I'll just get pissed off. So, um, so you don't have the TV on too much? I do. I watch it, but I don't like it. What do you watch? <laughs> what do you watch? And, well, I watch news stuff. Sometimes I switch around and, you know... You know, the best years of my life were what, the two years I turned off all news. I bet. Okay, it was like 06, 07, when I moved out here. Yeah. It was like new life. I'm not I'm not paying attention to all this stuff. But that was that, probably wise. Yeah, it was good, and I wish I could take it. I do try. Not as much, though. I'm a little I, bit addicted. I didn't turn it on for two years. I'm, I'm a little bit addicted to it. Not really. I mean, I, I have to have my dose every day. A lot of it just comes on my phone. I'll get, you know, different uh, news outlets that... Uh, and you know, I'll listen to a podcast once in a while, but I, I, it, you know, there's, there's a guy, you know, running for office here in Portland. He's running for mayor and I don't even mention his name right now because it's too soon to say, but I, I, I heard him talk at this, uh, constructing hope. It's another thing I wanted to tell you about, but constructing hope is an organization that a homeless person could take advantage of to get who end up be, being in a career. You know, these it, they they get people ready for apprenticeship programs, and when they get out of these this treatment, this takes six weeks to get into this to do this. And when you get out, you are uh, you're in an apprenticeship program, and there's so many opportunities. So that's the plus one of the plus sides of having all this building going on. We just had uh, gentleman Craig Gerard, and I don't know if you're aware of. Park Kitchen, Scott Dolich, they have a thing called Stone Soup down there in Broadway, and they have, oh. they're teaching people the restaurant business, apprenticeships that are there. So okay, yeah. Are, those Op- things are happening in the restaurant world, too. Because there's so much um, opportunity right now, you know, anybody who's not trying to do something is really missing out on 
on some, because and constructing hope as an organization has been doing this for quite a few years. It's mostly minorities that are doing it because minorities are the ones that tend to need it the most. Um, and they, you know, I've spoken at their programs. I've donated. I've helped helped them with their program. But a guy that's running for mayor gave a speech and gave his graduation speech, and I was so impressed that his his approach to dealing with problems is what my approach would be if I was um, in that position. I would, it, it's all positive, all positive. So I'm, I'm assuming you don't want to mention his name because you're not 100% sure whether you want to. I would support, like, I'm supporting him, but I. Because uh, I think it's fair to mention, I'm curious, as I would ask, and you could say, you know, I'm not there yet completely. I'm Ozzy still, Gonzalez. Ozzy Gonzalez, okay, because I'm going to look that. Yeah, look him up. That's good. Yeah, he's a Mexican guy, um, but he's he was basically born in, in the U.S. and he's an architect. What is basically born in the U.S.? Well, he was not. <laughs> he was not actually born. He was like right. He was his, his like when he was a month old. I think he moved to the U.S. Okay, I was wondering <laughs> if it was one foot over the the wall. <laughs> one foot over the wall. Uh, but, but he's a good guy, uh, you know, from what I can tell. Uh, I spent an hour and a half at my house talking to him after that that uh, thing because he, I was so impressed with him, and I talked to him. And so I've, I've, I've basically said, yeah, I'm supporting you. And I, because I haven't heard anybody talk like the way he does, you know, about his approach to problems. It's all Have positive. you ever thought of getting involved? You said you hate politics. Have you ever thought? Of getting involved in city yeah. government? No, man. Hell no. I uh, <laughs> really are you on the fence with that? <laughs> <laughs> no, man. That's. I think that would. I it would drive me nuts. You know. I think that, too many um, committees. Yeah, there's so much BS. I think there's just you know all the negative things you can say about people uh, probably exist in politics, and I, I could I would go in there and I'd be I would try to be positive all the time, positive. Stay positive. Right? Very hard to do. Yeah, I think a lot of people start out with good intentions in politics, and then, and our system is just the money gets involved, and then that's where it starts going south. Right. It, yeah. There's a little bit of corruption. It's so easy to be corrupt. You know, you get a little power. That corruption comes in. And there's different kinds of corruption, mm -hmm. and um, some of them aren't aren't overt, aren't obvious. You know. Just the way you think is corrupt, you know, and creates corrupt stuff. So, um, I don't know. I just, I don't think, I should be careful, but I, I'm not a, I don't think Portland's politics are doing us a lot of good right now. Yeah, I don't think there are a lot of people that would say, oh no, they've got, this is, this, gotta is, figure it out. this is the model city politically, because, um, you know, a lot of cities have trouble and everybody's grappling with it and, and it's difficult. So, um, you you live downtown now? I do. And I think I saw... 27th floor. And I think you want to move. Is that right? And if I don't you, really if you're not comfortable getting into that, your personal... Well, I'm, I'm totally comfortable. I, uh, I actually, since I said that, I'm less inclined to move. Yeah, things can change. Yeah. I have other properties. I, I have my old house still that I, that I bought, first house I ever bought, you know, and... Uh, out in Milwaukee, and I mean, I could, I could sell that, sell this, sell a couple other things, and get the baddest house on the lake, you know, or on the river. And uh, that's what I was thinking. But now I'm kind of backing off of that a little bit. I I love where I live, man. It's pretty badass. Yeah, yeah. You and you're high up. You have a. Yeah. You have a. But that's what makes it so cool. Yeah. So, and uh, you can look down on lots of homeless people, but you're disconnected from it. Right. Um, well, you still have to. Yeah, still have to go down on the. Not street. very often. I I go down into my garage, get in my car, and take off. Oh, there you go. But I do walk out there. Go. I walk to the store, to Safeway, which is two blocks away. I walk down there and I I see them and I um. I think about them, you know. Do you, you know, get, do you get solicited a lot for donations and help? And how do you do, how do you deal with that? 
You mean just like on the street or just? Oh well, there's no there. There is that on the street, but I'm just saying you're you're a target for. Hey, Dave Dahl's got some money. Let's uh, let's see if we can get a donation from you. You know what I don't like is when people uh, disguise it as you know something else. You know, when people come straight out and they go, Dave, can you help us? You know. I say no, but I, I feel better about it. <laughs> no, I help a lot of people. But what I like is when people want me for what I can offer besides money. And then, then I, it comes from my heart. And then I'm like, well, they could use the money, so I'm going to help them out. So you have a nice little nut, right, that you gen- that generated from the sale of yeah. Dave's Killer Bread. You don't have family, necessarily, heirs. Um, I have my, no, I do. You didn't know oh that. yeah, you have. Oh uh, yes, you have. You talked to daughter. Dude. Yes, I'm sorry. They're older, so I was thinking of younger. You look so youthful to me. I was <laughs> thinking of young kids. Right. Um, well, you're younger than I am. How old are you? Sixty-one. Okay, yeah, I'm uh, three years younger than you. Yeah. Um, I wish I looked. I wish I had looked that good three years ago. <laughs> three years ago. Well, I, I got the hair thing done for one thing. Oh, you got that done? Yeah, I, don't, I was not. What as, would your hair look like if you didn't do that? It would just be a lot thinner. But it'd be as bad as mine. No, because you got like um, <laughs> a whole patch that's almost. Yeah. But you could really, you know, it doesn't matter. It's your look now. I'm okay with it. I honestly grappled with it for a while, and then I just. Makes, I am. I am who I am. You said you get to the point in life where you're just like, okay, I'm going to be happy with who I am. I would rather not be somebody else. And I wouldn't care. Um, about it, it would, I would just let it go. But I have the money, and uh, it looks I, good, man. I don't think I would have known that. Yeah, and it, well, they did. You know, it's just replacing hair. You know, right? And, um, I get to go. I go do a lot of things on TV, stuff like that. You know, here and there, and looking good is is cool. You know, it does give you an advantage. Well, plus you can afford. Nicer clothes than you used to have, yes. for sure. Yeah, I got, so, I got some I, badass suits. Yeah. Oh, you wear suits? Only when, what, only when I have to. Wh- when do you have to? We are pausing here just a moment, Chris, to talk about one of our favorite places to eat here in Portland, Ringside Steakhouse. It's a classic, and it should be at the top of the list for anyone. Yeah. By the way, and there, how many people have we had on the podcast when we just mentioned Ringside? They light up. We had Micah Camden talking about that it's John favorite, Gorham just place. moments ago. John Gorham. Yep. Uh, there's nobody that doesn't consider it uh, one of the best restaurants in Portland. And I will go out on a limb. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a pretty diplomatic person. I don't like to piss anybody off. Sure. But I'll go out on a limb and say there's no restaurant that has better service. Than Ringside Steakhouse. Hands in, down. In the city of Portland. Hands down, absolutely. Yeah, there are, I, I always discover um, a new server that yeah. I really like. There's, uh, you know, you have Angelica over there, Jimmy and Andy in the bar. Yep. And then there's Scott was... Sure, yes. Scott was awesome. Yeah. So it's always fun to find. I've had Scott a couple of times, but he was a new discovery for you in the latter part yeah, of 2019. Yeah, he was great. We didn't have him last night. Yeah. We had Santi. He was great, mm-hmm. but Scott is the man. Yeah. And uh, there are a few of them over there. And of course, Angelica. I always get in a conversation with Angelica. It's sure. hard not to. Yeah. But I'll tell you, we had last night, we had the octopus which I think was fantastic appetizer. And it was the first time I did not get a steak. I had the sea, the seafood Caesar. Okay. Just cause I was feeling like something a little lighter, a little different. That yeah. was, there was a, there was a lot of crab on that. Yeah. It was really good crab and shrimp on that. And we also of course had the onion soup, mm-hmm. which French onion soup. That's, My daughter gets that every single time we go. Yeah. But I used to consume that a lot before right. I moved to Portland. It's harder to find here. Sure. So, um, it's great. They serve it in. They serve it steaming hot with beautiful cheese on it, and then for dessert, a peanut butter sponge cake with popcorn ice cream. Oh, popcorn ice cream! Yeah, well, so it was really more of a vanilla ice cream with beautifully done, you know, the perfect caramelized popcorn. Okay, all over the dish. Nice. And it was a really good dessert. Peanut butter sponge cake. It just sounds great. I would like some of that right now. Yeah, it's great. So I had it all last night. 2020 would be the 76th year of the Peterson family being the proprietors of the great steakhouse in Portland, Ringside Steakhouse. If you haven't been, go. You need to go. And if you have been, it's a it's an 
a new menu, mm-hmm. new happy hour menu. And I had the burger off of the bar menu the other yeah, day. That's great. Oh, man. It's great. So it's like the best burger I've had in years. Right. So check into ringside.com and check out their new happy hour deals. Yep. Uh, so you understand because it's not only on Sundays now. Right. Uh, and after 930, there's other ways you can enjoy half price in the bar. Mm-hmm. So, And that's a good way to enjoy ringside. Enjoy. So I'm just now I want to kind of want to get into Dave Dahl, the guy now, because yeah. you've done a lot of talking about here and elsewhere about your past. But yeah, well, my past really has informs what I do now. Right. Uh, but you have, a you know, a daily life now that yeah. is, um, you know, the Portland Monthly has the um, in every Portland issue. They, oh, Portland Monthly. Right. But the Portland Monthly in the every issue it has who would be a great party guest. Who we oh, want to have at our party. Yeah. You know, I think people would want to know yeah. what, what you're up to now, what you spend your time doing, what you spend your money on, what interests you. I'm very simple in the, in my, in my, uh, I don't need, um, I'm not a thrill seeker. So, cause. You mean this podcast wasn't? This is thrilling. It, yeah. <laughs> but, it, but I could have just met you without doing the podcast and I would have been just as thrilled. Right. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> we can still do that too. We've actually, yeah. I've seen you at parties, but they've always been kind of busy. Probably, but at any rate. Yeah. So um, what I do now is I I have lots of opportunities. I, for, for instance, um, I'm working on, I'm. it's not my project, but it's about me. It's a documentary about Dave Dahl. It's called, they're going to call it, right now they're calling it Good Seed. Um, and they're at a point right now where they're, they're selling it. They're trying to sell it through Netflix or something like that. They've got a bunch of, they got a work sample that they're doing that with. And then it'll be on and I'll probably be really busy with that. Mm-hmm. But um, I do so many public appearances where I, uh, I go for because people want to hear my story. They, it's not really everybody kind of knows it, but they, it's not really about that. So I, I go and maybe can help help people at one place or another. It's kind of like I'm going back to what I used to do with Dave's Killer Bread without the bread. I am telling my story to help people. Well, besides just people knowing it and hearing it personally. From you, yeah. I mean, that's why people get paid so much for personal speaking experiences. They, they know these yeah. business owners and politicians, but they're at yeah. our event. We we have them. I've had some great. I've had some really great moments doing that. Um, I went to Band recently and did a Band Venture Conference, where I had an old friend who had interviewed me. And that's how I met him many years ago. He interviewed me for a program. He was doing in 2012, and then he interviewed me again at the band, band Venture Conference, and everybody said that was the highlight of the of, of the, the whole event. Uh, because, but we just had so much fun, you know. I mean, it's, it's, when I feel like you know you're having you're having fun, I think everybody else does too. I'm, I listen that you know I was doing that podcast. And there, mine called Felony Inc. <clears throat> Excuse me, Felony Inc. Um, like you said, where I, I was interviewing ex-felon entrepreneurs, and it was beautiful. It was an easy thing to do for me. Um, and I'm I'm naturally interested in people and what how they they don't have to be felons, but how do people make it and make something happen? How do you get motivated and passionate about something? Um, so I've had a blast doing that. But I, I get, I just, there's like one thing after another that I, I fall into. It's like a, there's like a magnet and I'm steel, you know, bam, bam. Like there's always, or a vacuum that I, I just keep going to. And, and so then there's also the people who, um, who, who have done the show, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Glenn Howerton and his wife. Glenn Howerton is one of the main guys. Uh, they're doing, they, I signed an agreement with them. They're going to work on doing my movie, a movie about me. So, but that's, I haven't done anything with that yet. Just signed papers. And what goes on in your mind when someone says, I want to do a movie about you? Um, do you ever get any thought? Nah, 
I don't want to do that. Or do you have, nah. is it an ego? Uh, yeah, ego. It can't be for the money. Now, he was right? a factor. No. Um, Although I can't assume that just because you have, you made some money, you still don't want to make money. I, that's not fair. Yeah. Well, I've given, I've actually given a lot of money away and, and blown a lot of money on the African art and stuff like that. Where, and I want to talk about that too. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you know, there's all, and then I made whatever, but I, I have lots of projects like, I have a 40-unit apartment complex in Hillsboro um, and various other things. Like I have an eightplex plex in, in Clackamas, and I'm building a 15,000-square-foot um, warehouse out on a, a, a strip of land um, with that used to be a horse farm out in Eagle Creek. So I'll keep you busy. There's a lot of stuff going on. So, you're, so with all those developments going on, you are... Sounds to me as though you're married to Portland. You grew up here. I love you're Portland. Be, yes. Even the way it is now. I, I don't love it for the way it is now, but I still love it anyway. Some things about Portland I don't like. But, but there probably were things you didn't like 30 years ago. Yeah, sure. So the, now, the, now they're just different things. I didn't you, like you, me. <laughs> you, you in Portland. So um, so what do, other than we talked about the homeless problem, what else? Uh, do you like the Blazers now? I mean, love the Blazers. I, you know, they're having a rough time getting started, but I think uh, people don't give Whiteside anywhere near enough credit. I mean, as a center, he's he makes a difference out there. What about Carmelo? This oh. came out. So I'm a passive Blazer fan. Mm-hmm. I was big. I think six, seven years ago when Aldridge was here, and yeah, and Brandon Roy, and then I just kind of lopped off. But all of a sudden, I saw they. They signed Carmelo Anthony. I went to Syracuse at one point in my life, so he meant something to me. I didn't know he was just out of the league, and they signed him out of retirement. Nobody wanted him. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't he, he hasn't done well in places he's gone to. He doesn't really contribute or had you know. He's not a team player. Yeah, say. but I I think he's trying real hard to to make his game more fit in to what's going on. I I have high hopes. I have always have high hopes for these things. It's not like a Scotty Pippen. Remember when Scotty Pippen came came to Portland? You, I have, before I your have time. to rely on hearing that because I was a Nick fan yeah. back then. But but here you are. You're you're paying this really you know really star to come to Portland. He was one that was a success for us. Um, Sean Kemp, terrible. You know, do you remember Sean Kemp? Yeah, Seattle uh, guy. But he was bloated and and into cocaine and everything when he came back to portland well i shouldn't say that because maybe i don't maybe i don't know what i'm talking about but that's the way i remember it he wasn't it wasn't much good for us you you know sometimes just getting the stars not the solution were you paying attention in 77 oh yeah big time um that the blazers would actually contribute to my depression when they were losing and but when they won in 77 i was on the high the greatest high and then i had that great fall because reality set back in a few days mm-hmm. but uh that was that was back when things used to pull me in all directions right and so i was a kid um so african art speaking of pulling you in a different direction how did you get into that? And tell us a little bit about your interest in that. Well, I actually went through, uh, and it, I can talk about this because it's all you know, well known to my to my captors and such. Uh, I I had a I had an operation on my shoulder, and I got into uh, I, I took some pills, some pain pills. Man, I didn't realize I could love pain pills. I I was never a downer guy, you know. A, Pain guy, pain pill guy. Uh, I loved him so much that I kept going, kept taking him, and you know I ended up finding sources for him and stuff for a little while. But at the same time, I got into I was going on Amazon and eBay, which I'd never been on before, never took the time to do. And then eBay, I'm I'm finding all these little decorations from my house. There's masks. I really like masks. And first, it was just junk. You know, looking back, it was just complete junk. Um, but I developed a taste over a while for African art. And even after I was able to uh, put the dope behind me, 
because that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun on the dope. But uh, even after that, I still was, I had so much momentum. Um, I filled up a lot of space with it. But my my best stuff is up at my uh, at my house. And I, it's not because of Africa. It's not because of, you know, I like a certain kind of people or anything. It's just the art. Just that simple. Did you, have you had appreciation for other forms of art in your life or was this the first time you actually well i've always been an artist i guess i when i was in prison i mean in jail um on my way to prison when i was in massachusetts i was in new bedford house of corrections and uh you could actually draw on your walls you could throw you could start fires and, i mean it was crazy the, the cops would just come by with these um these fire extinguishers and constantly put out fires it was just the way things were. Uh, but you could draw on your walls, so I was, you know, I, I started drawing naked women all over my walls. Just all these great compromising positions, you know. It was a lot of fun. And people would walk by and see see it, you know, and they go, would you, can you do a portrait of my mother or my sister or my wife? And I go, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know for sure, but I, I was able to. And I, I was able to make some money that way. And so I was in, I was really good at uh, caricatures. So I had a lot of fun with that, but I never really developed like a knowledge of art. I never spent time into, you know, be immersing myself in it. But I've always appreciated art. Well, then when you have a, uh, a place to put it. Yeah. You don't have a place to put That's it. That's the other thing. Yeah. And, you know, they talk... Art didn't develop in societies until every society that has developed art, they developed it when they had to, when they stopped having to survive. <laughs> you know, then, I, then you got time for this kind of stuff. And most of my life, I didn't have time for art. Even it was Dave's Killer Bread days, I was too busy working. And what is, so what is your, um, now that you're not as busy, you are busy, but now that you're not, you I'm, have some time. I choose to be, the way I am, so I don't have to be that right. busy. I like to be busy. So, how do you see? You got a lot of time in front of you. How do you see your uh, your golden year, so to speak? Uh, I see myself uh, making sure that those last years when I'm not so great are, you know, kind of set up. So, I keep that in mind. I as, as like when I, I know I'm, I know I'm not going to want to live in the place I live when I'm in my 70s, I don't think. Um, I would like to, I think I would like to live in Phoenix or, you know, somewhere down that way, Tucson. Um, You're going to miss water. Or or I might even have a place on, um, on the coast, but, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I just want, you know, I, I want a really relaxing uh, place that's not too wet. Not too, mm -hmm. You know, I don't have to be in uh, Portland during the wintertime. Right. Well, you can probably arrange to have That's what I a think. summer and a winter uh, I'm scenario. Pretty, I'm pretty fortunate that way. I can I can do that. But um, I don't really think about getting old, though. You know, I'm just, I'm living, um, I play my guitar. I play little shows here and there with my friends. Um, it's not like a... Not high pressure. I used to do high pressure gigs where I had to get everything all set up. And I was, now I just show up and have fun. And what's the name of your band again? The Killer Granddaddies. The Killer Granddaddies. And yeah. where are you usually playing? What kind of places in, in Portland? Uh, we just play like little charity events. Like um, like this weekend, uh, I'm involved, not really deeply involved with this, but I really care about this program called Dual Diagnosis Anonymous. Mm-hmm kind of like a 12 step but it's 15 steps because there's three steps for admitting that you have a mental issue that needs to be considered most addicts should think this way anyway but this is really opening up and saying i have this problem um that's what so they have these events from the time to time and my band's going to play there uh things like that Good. So, uh, one last question I have yeah. for you. 
Do you have a the favorite sandwich you've ever had <laughs> on the bread that you created? Very. I remember. I'm so simple when I choose. Like I love peanut butter and jelly on it. You know the bread itself. But that's a white bread thing. Nah, the for bread, me. Yeah. The, no, 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 no. The bread itself. It's got to be good seed. The good seed yellow label. Um, I have a good seed tattoo all over my back. That's good seed means a lot more than bread. It means turn around, bad seed, good seed. But the bread itself, I consider it to be my masterpiece. And um, I use it, peanut butter and jelly, I use it for burgers. My favorite thing is a burger. Uh, I use really lean meat that I get from Safeway. It's 93% lean uh and then You're i'm not just, shopping at zupans uh oh i mean oh, we zupans. have to do that yes <laughs> i have many many times over the years um it's a little further for you to yeah. zupans and to, i used to do demos of zupans and all that kind of stuff uh yeah there's no zupans right in my neighborhood right. there is a uh so anyway i'm not gonna say um so a burger on um good seed burger on good seed is just just with um Good cheese, ketchup, and mayo. See how simple I am. But the bread itself makes such a difference. And and that's, when I made this bread, it was to my, it was kind of to my taste, but I, I started, I went around and asked everybody, you know, what, I got so much feedback that I was able to make 15 varieties. And they were all, you know, somewhat successful. Different people wanted different things. But Good Seed was mine. It's delicious. So there wasn't a person that I mentioned that you were coming on the podcast who didn't, their eyes didn't light up and they, they yeah, everybody said, oh, it's my favorite. I, mm. I love it. So you did. A all over the, all over the U.S., Canada, it's even south of the border. They've got it in Spanish language now, the labels. Really? Yeah. And, but no longer with your story on them. Not really. They mentioned me. But uh, it's not my, it's very watered down. And so you don't have, you have no more relationship with the company or? Um, recently, the organization that, uh, it's called the Dave's Killer Bread Foundation, that, that uh, is all about second chances for people. They've expressed a little bit of interest in having me involved again. And I, I would definitely do it. I mean, I don't want to come in and take over, you know, how... I mean, I know that they're, they've been worried about that for all these years, probably. And um, also, because of my 2013 incident, so many people, the company really had a hard line on it. They were like, well, we don't want this guy. We don't want to be associated with him anymore. Which is bizarre, because one of one of the reasons that brand got to be what it was. was because I was a knucklehead. Because yeah. I was a knucklehead before. Because yeah. that guy. So. Yeah. Uh, and I know, but anyway, company politics is what I would guess there, you know. So anyway, I'm hoping that I'll get involved a little bit with the good things that they do. Mm -hmm. But I got enough to do, so if they don't come after me, that's okay too. Yeah, well, that's good. Well, um, I will <laughs> just thank you for um, so much for coming on. I know you're busy, and, uh, uh, and thank David Bentley too mm -hmm. for connecting us. I yeah. just happened to mention to him, I, someday I want to have Dave on, and he had you oh, that's right. on a conference call that's immediately. Right. We, that, that is right, yes. So you employed a person from, should we, talk, should we use yeah. the brand? Yeah. Court, are we in legal jeopardy here as, for no. anything? It's, so it's from, a true story. Okay, right. so, well, yeah, that's always <laughs> an arguable thing. <laughs> so, so Franz Bakery, you mm -hmm. employed someone at Dave's Killer Bread to, yeah. I'll, I'll let you tell the story. Okay, it was, it was like three years into it, maybe, something like that, and maybe two, two and a half, three years. Um, I was starting to get this, all these opportunities to go out and tell my story, which was excellent for the brand, as, you know, it was part of the brand, and I was able to spend less and less time on the floor and dealing with the product and dealing with the employees. Mm -hmm. So we needed an operations manager. Um and we looked and looked and looked, and we, we put the, put a word out in baking journals and all this stuff, and nobody <laughs> seemed to want the job. No one wanted that job. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people who would have loved to have the money, but they weren't qualified. 
And then there was uh, a guy that used to be, in fact, at the time that he came to us, he was working as the plant manager for um, Williams Bakery. It's not Williams anymore, but I mean, it's a Franz Bakery in Eugene. And but, we're, but he's like, oh, I've, I've had enough. I, you know, I want to. I want something new, something cool. You know, he, he comes. It, it, but he was the only guy qualified, and we're like, well, he, who? He's not up to nothing, right? <laughs> but honestly, he. We ended up hiring him. Um, I was spending less time looking at things, but I was. My nephew and myself immediately were like. This guy was was the operations manager for France because he's not very good. <laughs> but I don't think he was trying to be very good. You know, a couple years later, he he quit. And not more than three or four months later, out come their knockoffs of Dave's Killer Bread. I had good seed. They had great seed. Uh, and they were, I remember seeing them and thinking, this is a little confusing. Yeah, yeah. That, um, they had great seed. Uh, I had 21 whole grains at the time. Now, they called it 22 perfect grains or something like that. Um, that's kind of shameless. It is shameless. And that's why I don't have any problem talking about it, because it's it's true. It's uh, It's kind of stupid. And uh, I don't have any respect for that. Right, and uh, and they had a they had I don't know I don't know the numbers. They were pretty good businesses. It is, but yeah. I guess that's no, but we that's capitalism to make it a little better. Well, imagine the shelf space. If you look at Dave's Killer Bread shelf space now, imagine that not imagine that all being theirs, and then you know the knockoffs. We they weren't the only ones who knocked us off. You know, or we. Uh, I mean, big companies all over the place tried to knock us off. Took them years, and that's that's the good thing is it took years for them to get it together and do it, and that was kind of the the smart thing about how we we created this bread to be something we were good at, not something that would be easy for other people to knock off. It wasn't just a typical thing they could just go do. So, do you think he was working both? So, so he, as he was working for you, he they were already in, they had to be already in development yeah. to get out three months later after he quits, right? So he was yeah. he was working both sides of the uh, I, both sides of the bakery. Ninety nine percent, you know, sure of that, but I don't know about I, that's something I can't say for sure. But right, some of, then they hired some of our employees, uh, the ones, but it was kind of like the ones who weren't making it at, at our place, right. Well, that sucks, but that's you part know, of the journey, too. I, I think it's part of the journey. It's interesting. It's fun to think about now. It was it was stressful then, right. you know. You're thinking, and I always was, like, looking and going, when is somebody going to knock this shit off? And I, I bet you somebody's going to come along and knock it off, and it's not going to be organic, and they're going to be able to sell for a lot less. And a lot of people aren't going to care that it's not organic, and that's what's going to hurt us. Mm. But they, nobody did. Everybody thought it had to be organic. And if it had been me, you know, I'd have been looking, well, wait, they need, we need a cheaper version. This tastes Just the take same. Take the word organic off. Yeah, and, take it organic. And that'll and that'll sell at Walmart Yeah, pretty quickly. Yeah, so. although Dave's Killer Bread is big at Walmart. I would imagine yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing how things have changed in the marketplace. They get Costco, too. Oh, yeah. Costco was who made me a millionaire. You know, I would... 2009, I essentially, it was about 2010, I became a millionaire. But that's due to Costco. I'm sure you're not the only one who can claim that. The, the Costco made a millionaire. Yes. Yeah. yeah I mean, right. that's that's super distribution. And, and you know, instead of one loaf of bread, you're selling two at a time. That's right. the way that works. And it's a pain in the ass to get ready, but it's worth it. Right. Uh, they... Uh, they contacted me probably 2007, you know, maybe it was early. It was fairly early. I got a letter from a buyer up there and where they're headquartered up in Kirkland. And he, uh, he or she, I think it was a she at the time, said, we're hearing a lot about this bread. Can you come up and, and do a demonstration? You know, was, and the thing was, we were in a 15,000, we were in a 55,000 square foot facility at the time up in um, 
uh, it wasn't 50, no, it's 15,000 square foot facility up in, up in, uh, new, up in, uh, 63rd and Halsey. Um, that was a family business and we had to move to a 55,000 square foot facility before we could do it. It was, the struggle was, it was 2008 by the time we actually were able to put that together. We couldn't get a loan. We needed a $1.5 million loan to move from this place to that place. And at that point, $1.5 million was an absurd amount of money to, for us to pull out of our asses. We got a, uh, and, and nobody wanted to loan at that time. It was 2008. You're, you might fail. And we were always on the verge of failure, you know. Um, but we were able to find somebody who would loan it to us, and we moved to Bob's Red Mill's old mill. Bob used to, that used to be his mill, and um, so that was what made us capable of finally supplying Costco. It, it took years for us to be ready. And you don't remember the woman's name we called? No. <laughs> well, let's look that up, maybe. Um, but uh, I'm Because sure there was a different uh, buyer by the time we actually got in. Right. Do you remember that one? Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> I, well, there's our memory. I'm, if you gave me multiple choice, I could I, tell you. I didn't expect you to remember. <laughs> I was just having fun. Two old guys making <laughs> memories. Thank you so much for coming. I appreciate it. Um, you, you know, we like to talk about success stories on this podcast, and there's so nobody, what? nobody really, I think, who can claim uh, a larger amount of success. Is that the word? Larger, higher. <laughs> Larger amount of success. Significant, the, yeah. Who, I, uh, who, who came from that farmer's market? There's so many people who've sat here who's you know, uh, uh, the folks at Marshall's Hot Sauce mm -hmm. and, um, you know. But success is, is really in your mind. Uh, yeah. And, and if, if, they're, if they're enjoying themselves, that's success. You yes. know, if they're really, you're passionate about a product you make, I can't imagine being happier. I love those days. I agree. In the end, we're, we all end up in the same place. And <laughs> so it's the journey. It's the journey. Yeah. And oh my God, again, nobody's had a journey that you've had that we've talked to. No. Um, a, little bit, a little bit. Do you know Micah Camden from Blue Star and Little Big Burger? Um, I should, but... you guys should. You should know him. I think you, got, you, you would have something to talk about anyway. But he's had a little bit of the same journey. Not quite as many years spent in in prison but we have a few right court we have a few that have been mm -hmm. uh who've gone through a little bit of uh adversity to get where they have gone so again thanks so much for coming i know you, you know you have a lot to do so to spend this much time with us um i appreciate it yeah i didn't uh i didn't add anything else to my calendar today but you know what I, i'm gonna head out should we go on for six hours <laughs> i'd be loved i love i'm enjoying myself I went out to, uh, I have to eventually go out to uh, Eagle Creek, and uh, so I'll have a nice little drive in my I-8 Roadster. You know I was going to ask you what you're driving. <laughs> um, so I much fun to drive. Oh, that's a cool car. Yeah, it's, it's, like it's a Roadster. Yeah, it's beautiful. A, the Roadster version. My brother had one years ago, has had one for four, like four years, but I had I one-upped him with the Roadster. Yeah. Is that your only, or do you have a few wheels? Yeah, I got a Tesla. I actually drove my Tesla here. Um, I have a Dodge Ram pickup that's got a rhino liner all over it instead of a paint job. Um, it's really cool. It's like indestructible. And then I got a, a Jeep. I got a... Nice. Yeah. I asked that because we just recently had Micah on who sold Little Big Burger. Mm -hmm. And the day after that transaction was done, he went out and bought two AMGs. <laughs> and Mercedes-Benz of Wilsonville. And he must have been there. having, uh, so he was kind of, this was just new success for him? Or? Yeah, that was the first hit. So he's doing well. You know, it took me a long time to decide I wanted to buy, you know, I used to have this really badass Corvette in 2013. And when that incident happened, I stopped driving it. And then I stopped, then when it was, I ended up giving it away because... I didn't want to think about me, and that's why the African art became so powerful to me because I didn't have to think about Dave and his issues anymore. It was just, it was beautiful for a couple of years, mm -hmm. uh, and and having I could have collected cars, I could have collected uh, guitars. If I had done that, it'd been much more about Dave. Mm -hmm. 
so this was cool um i was i did the right thing there well and you need you you don't need to but i assume that you're still appreciating the african art to keep that yeah that feeling that yeah it's not always about so you get to go there and you're a little in well that it space. reminds me and you know that that could be that could be the downfall if i'm not careful was getting too full of myself or thinking too much about dave you know about dave's you know success or, or you know what trying to care what other people think about me and stuff and the thing it. is i'm always just me that's that's what i like all right I, but you're also people know about you so they're yeah. asking and they're pecking yeah. and yeah. that sort you know yeah. yeah who knows what it could be that would trip me up next time i'm just not i hope it's, it's nothing yeah. i hope you just enjoy a smooth smooth ride i've had my issues i've had my share haven't i you have had your share thanks for sh- sh- thank- and thanks for sharing them with us your share of shares right at the fork is hosted and produced by chris angeles and court johnson connect with us on twitter and instagram at food podcast pdx or on facebook at right at the fork or online at right at the fork.com 